We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Speaking of legendary pass rush. We head out to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and welcome on Super Bowl champion, nine-time Pro Bowler, oh, he knows a thing about football or two, DeMarcus Ware. And DeMarcus is here courtesy of Bet Online. Check out Bet Online for the most diverse list of props, including length of the national anthem, first song Rihanna plays, commercial odds, broadcast odds, game and player stats, and much, much more. DeMarcus, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me on. Well, it's great to have you on here. Um... I, so, as a Super Bowl champion, I think the first thing we got to ask you is, do you have a favorite memory from your time in the Super Bowl winning it with the Denver Broncos? My favorite memory is actually before the game when Peyton Manning you know, came to us and he was like, I know I'm not 100%, but one thing I'm not going to do is lose this football game. And for me to have a guy like the GOAT come and tell us that before the game, but he said, I'm going to make sure that you guys have a lot of rest and you're able to get pressure on Cam Newton and do what y'all do. Y'all are the best right now. And when he gave us that speech, it was like, what? I know we're going to win this game. Because I know Peyton wasn't going to turn the ball over. And he just scored three, six, three, three. And we had so much rest. So when we went out there, we just crushed the Carolina Panthers. They didn't have a chance. So with that, uh, I always like to ask this of Super Bowl champions. Do you remember much after the game, including the super uh, the celebration? I remember everything. I, I, I remember hoisting up the trophy. Not actually, I didn't hoist up the trophy. The trophy actually was in my locker um, because I didn't want to touch the trophy at the time. I said, I let everybody else touch the trophy. I'll you know celebrate later. When I walked into the locker room, it was right there in my locker. All nice and shiny, man. So I got to enjoy that thing. It, it was that was a memory of a lifetime right there. And then Peyton was there when he walked in at the same time. Dude, we hit, we hugged that trophy like it was a freaking baby. 
Super Bowl champion DeMarcus Ware on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. DeMarcus, not only were you a part of a Super Bowl champion team, you're part of a couple Dallas teams that really had a chance as well. When when you think about you know during those seasons, did did you know definitively which teams could win a title and and maybe which teams that that either couldn't or that was a long shot to do? Uh, at the time, if it was if it was us playing, and you're talking about us, like we had an opportunity to win every single um, Super Bowl each year from the talent that we had. It was just we just got to the point to where in the big game we folded every time, which that's happening now, and then, and it doesn't feel well. So it's like you just got to be able to close those games out because we we got there when I played, and we they're getting there now, and so now um, we just. Just got to figure out how we can pull it out in the playoffs. Demarcus, you mentioned Peyton Manning. You played with one of the greatest of all time. Tom Brady just retired. People call him the greatest of all time because of the seven Super Bowls, because of uh, you know twenty-two year career, twenty-three year career. Do you view Tom Brady as the greatest of all time? Oh yeah, he is the goat. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I got to play with Peyton, and Peyton's number one. He's always number one in my book. Um, but Brady's number two, and he got to do it for a long, long time. So Brady is one of the best players to ever play in the professional in professional football. And when they say the GOAT, that's the first name that comes up is, is Brady. So if we take quarterbacks out of it, who is your non-quarterback greatest player of all time? Non-quarterback. Greatest player of all time. Hmm. I would say Lawrence Taylor. That's a pretty good submission. I'm a I'm a I'm a defense guy. So I, I would say I would say Lawrence Taylor being that guy and he was unstoppable and that was the, the epitome of what a defensive player should be like. Demarcus Ware on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Demarcus, you look at this Super Bowl. You're talking about maybe the current greatest quarterback in the NFL and Pat Mahomes up against maybe one of the best pass rushes we've seen, not not just this year, but in the last decade, the last two decades, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. It, when we, we match up an elite quarterback versus an elite pass rush, what wins out more often than not, in your opinion? Elite pass rush, because it's not one guy doing it, it's all. It's either four or it's five, depending on if it's three, four or four, three. So you got more guys doing it instead of it being on one guy's back, right? So I'm always predicating everything on the pass rush. Philly has that pass rush. They've been freaking getting quarterback pressures and sacks this whole year. What over seventy? So I got to lean a little bit more towards that pass rush right now, especially with the hurt Patrick Mahomes. Demarcus, if because I think you can make a case for either, but if if either team wins, like if the Chiefs win, do they become a dynasty? And if the Eagles win, considering they uh, won in 2017, do they become a dynasty? I think you know. Mm, I would say the the Kansas City Chiefs they can become a dynasty. I don't think Philly can. If they win, they they still need to win one more. Um, the dynasty part with Kansas City, they've done it so consecutively. And they got a quarterback that can keep on doing it. But I just don't know if Jalen Hurts can hold up with all the running and everything, how long he will be able to do it. So that's my uh, take on that. I also wanted to get your thoughts here, uh, DeMarcus, on 
Miles Garrett. And there's been some criticism of Miles of of football guys because you know he he has all the stats you want, but but there are other things, right? Maybe he's a little immature. Maybe he's a little this. Maybe he's all that. Uh, do you view Miles Garrett in the same class with the Boses, T.J. Watt, and all the other elite pass rushers in the NFL? I do, um, but he just he's just doing it, doing it silently. It's almost like a Joe Thomas. Like Joe Thomas was the best, one of the best left tackles I've ever been against. But you don't hear him being like a, a Trent Williams or a couple of the other guys because it's just the team that they play on, right? Um, the Cleveland Browns, you don't hear anything about them because they're losing all the time. Not now, but it's just different. And I would put him in that um, the, that player bracket with the Bosa's and the Chris Joneses and the Fletcher Coxes and the Aaron Donalds. I would put him in there, but it, right now it's just the marketing and the persona of where he's at. So it, one of the the kind of critiques of him is is maybe he's a little lighter in the run game, or you know he might take a play or two off. Which I think, if you watch NFL film, a lot of that happens a lot. Uh, but I just want to ask you, how long into your career was it that you really felt like you were an all around complete edge rusher, best football player you could be? My fourth year, my my fourth year, like I knew it, like I knew that. I'm going to get to the quarterback. They, I knew they couldn't stop me. And the team at the point, it's almost like when you're scoring three points, three pointers, and you know that guy's hot, give that guy the ball. I felt like that way every single time. They gave me the opportunity to rush, to do exactly what I wanted to do when there was third and eight. Okay, cool, DeMarcus, what do you want to do? Because they knew I was going to get to the quarterback. And there's only, what, 15 times a game? But I knew I owned it at the time, and it took four years to get to that, that confidence level. DeMarcus Ware, Super Bowl champion on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. DeMarcus is coming on courtesy of BetOnline, BetOnline.net. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you a Cowboy-related question because you are a favored son of, uh, of the star. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. All right, in one year, who is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? In one year? Yes, sir. Like next year? Yes, sir. Or no, sorry, after next year, I should say. After next year. I can't tell you that. Because after all the changes that have been made this year, getting rid of a lot of the coaches, they put a lot of pressure on McCarthy now, saying, hey, we want for you to be head coach. We want for you to call the plays. And whoever that we bring in here, you guys need to make some changes because we've been getting to the playoffs, but we haven't been getting through the playoffs. And for that, I, mean, I every year is a, something different with the Cowboys. I went through a lot of coaches, so I, I can't sit right here and tell you who's going to be the coach after that next year. All right, Demarcus, I got to ask you about the Pro Bowl. You're a nine-time Pro Bowler in your career, in your playing days. How would you feel about the changes to the Pro Bowl, including changing it from a regular game to a flag football game this weekend? I actually would like it. Uh, but I, I wish the defensive guys would probably be able to play. Actually, be able to rush a little bit, which you can. But let us get out there and have some fun. That's what this game is about. It's an all-star game, right? And uh, and bringing back all the old games, which we are doing right now, from the strongest man, the slayer pushes, the dodgeball, like all those things. We we get to go out there and have fun. When you see guys that are in the glass of the sports with pads on not hitting each other, it's not the same. 
But you see guys on the full seat field making plays and having fun, I want to watch that. And that's what we're trying to give them this year. I know you dominate the strongman, so I'll, I'll, I'll make that declaration for you. How would you do in dodgeball in your heyday against the other great athletes in the NFL? Dude, that would be a beast. Dude, <laughs> I, I got what, a seven, seven-foot wingspan. I would get that ball, and I would be slamming trying to knock guys out. Like, I, I, I would be the haymaker. I would be the one back there in the back chilling and just throwing, like, launching grenades and just exploding them on the other side over there. Uh, I love it. All right, before we let you go, Demarcus, I do want to get a official Super Bowl prediction, even though we still have like nine days to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl prediction, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I know pressure, burst pipes, and they're going to make sure they bring pressure on Mahomes, but I've seen something different um, in him playing hurt, really wanting it. And so I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Be honest, you just can't say the Eagles are going to win, right? I, I, can't, I, can't say fly, I can't say fly, Eagles, fly. I can't. <laughs> I, I just can't. I heard it too many times. <laughs> uh, Demarcus, great stuff, man. I really appreciate your time. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, we, we sure appreciate your time, bud. All right, thank you so much. Demarcus Ware, Super Bowl champion on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Demarcus, of course, courtesy of Bet Online. Check out Bet Online for the most diverse list of props, including the length of the national anthem, the first song Rihanna plays, commercial odds, broadcast odds, game and player stats, and of course, much, much more. I don't ever do this. There's a chance I'm going to ride the fence today. I hope it can support my weight, but I will not be incredibly disappointed if the Cavs don't make a move at the deadline. I would like them to. I think they have a couple assets that they could absolutely use that I think teams in the NBA will will covet, specifically uh, the contracts, expiring contracts of Kevin Love and Karis LeVert and Dylan Windler, if you want to throw that in there. But I'm trying to be patient because I don't know right now the biggest problem with the Cavs is the roster. They do have fit problems. They might have some fit problems in terms of how they feel about each other. This doesn't mean they don't like each other, but some stress points about the offense and about who gets the shots and whether Donovan and Darius use the bigs enough. I think you can make the case they don't. But I think they're still so new into this pairing of two undersized guards with two gigantic um, bigs that I think it might be okay if the Cavs stand pat. So when Chris Fedor was on this station earlier this week, he got into the Cavs' approach ahead of the trade deadline, and I think we should go in setting the bar low and hope that maybe just maybe we get blown away. This is very, very complicated because on one hand, the Cavs understand the weakness that they have on this roster. They need more depth in the front court. They need a reliable two-way wing upgrade. Everybody knows that. But there aren't a ton of unequivocal sellers, and the Cavs don't have a ton of assets to make the kind of move that would make them significantly better. You can talk about teams like the Detroit Pistons as sellers and the Orlando Magic probably as sellers and the Houston Rockets. But like of those guys that are currently available from those teams, either they're too costly based on what the Cavs can offer or they're not the guys that are going to move the needle that much. Terrence Ross isn't going to do anything for this team. Eric Gordon isn't going to do anything for this team. And the Cavs don't have enough to get Boyan Bogdanovich from the Pistons. So that's like the problem that they're facing right now. They cannot offer a 
future first round pick because they've given them all up and the Sepian rule exists. So I think they're going to be active. I think they're going to explore the market. But the sense that I've gotten over the last week is that the Cavs don't love the options available to them on the market and they don't love the price tag that it would cost in order to get those guys. I mean, Josh Hart would help this team, right? Like Malik Beasley would help this team. You can make that argument for all of those guys in different ways. But at the same time, you can look at it the opposite way and you can say, well, Malik Beasley can shoot threes, but he can't dribble, he can't defend, and he can't pass. Well, Josh Hart gives you toughness and grit and he makes winning plays all the time, but he can't shoot. And then Josh Richardson is shooting 36% from three-point range. And Doug McDermott's going to get played off the court in the playoffs like every single year because he can't guard you or me. So like (laughs) every one of these guys that is available right now at the deadline that the Cavs could realistically acquire based on the assets that they have to give up doesn't make them significantly better, and each one of them is just as flawed as Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro, Lamar Stevens, or any of the other players, Karis LeVert, any of the other players that the Cavs could put at that particular spot. So I get the sense over the last week that if they don't make a move at the deadline, they're okay with that. And they're okay running with what they have, especially with Dean Wade back in the rotation and Ricky Rubio back in the rotation. And it doesn't mean that they're not trying to improve. They are. It's just trying to match the value of the player that's available to the value that they have to give up realistically in a trade. That was Chris Fedor again with Baskin and Phelps earlier this week. And I think... I think the Cavs have the right approach, right? And I, I think I think by virtue of trading for Donovan Mitchell, all of our expectations have changed. They should have changed. Our expectations should be high. There are people that just want to say, eh, no, this matters. Guys, you, it's going to take a while. you got to develop. you got to let this play out. And I understand that mentality. That's what you should have said. Then you know what? If you believe that the Cavs should have let it played out, then they traded for Donovan Mitchell too early. I don't think they traded for Donovan Mitchell too early. These kind of opportunities don't come by every single day. It's why when Jeff Phelps says, ah, you know what? I think they gave up too much for Donovan Mitchell. Eh, You know what? That might come to bear. If Donovan Mitchell doesn't work out here and you don't turn around and trade him for something, if he doesn't work out here, and you end up having all those years without a first-round pick, and you're giving them consistent lottery picks, yep, it'll be a disaster. But the truth is, if you can find a way to make it work, it's going it, to – there's no way. Listen, if if those picks end up being mid-20s picks from, ni- from 2025 to 2027 to 2029, we're not going to care about it. If this is the Kawhi Leonard – where Kawhi went to Toronto, albeit that was a one-year deal, uh, and and won an NBA title, left, but they kept winning, we're not going to care. We're only going to care if this trade doesn't work out. So in terms of the trade deadline, like long-term, there are some moves that the Cavs are going to have to make to help Evan Mobley be better, to help Darius Garland be better, right? The trade deadline is about taking another stab at helping Donovan Mitchell fit in here and making sure the Donovan Mitchell deal gets the best out of the Cavs this year, that the Cavs can maximize that already significant move. Patience is great. I think we should be patient with Evan and Darius. 
I don't think the Cavs should be patient with winning. I also don't think we're to the point of desperation. I think the Cavs have to thread a needle. I think the Cavs have to explore every move they can make without doing what David Griffin did in 2015, trading the last of your assets for Timofey Mozgov, J.R. Smith, and Amon Shumpert. By the way, the move helped you win a title, and if either Kyrie or Kevin Love were healthy, you probably would have won 2015 as well. But long-term, it capped your ability to make other moves that would have been just as helpful, if not more. You overpaid for three good role players. And I say that with absolute love in my heart at J.R. Smith. 216-578-0092. Do the Cavs have to make a move at the deadline? Because I didn't feel the I didn't think I didn't feel like the Guardians had to make the, the move this last off this last trade deadline. I think they probably will this next year. When we when we start getting into have to make moves, I, I think that speaks to a level of desperation, and I just don't think the Cavs are there yet. Now, if the Cavs do make a move, I think there are two types of moves they can make. I think the easiest one are the low-risk, high-reward, basically taking on somebody else's trash, and whether that's trash because of contract or whether that's trash because they haven't found a role. Um, and, and I think it was Chris Haynes said that the Cavs and Mavericks are two of the suitors thought to be the lead suitors for Cam Reddish of the Knicks. Now, mind you, everything's relative. I don't know Cam Reddish is going to – I don't know he's ever going to trade in on his immense, immense promise that he showed in high school and in the one year he played at Duke, where he was kind of the forgotten man with R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. But I think if you're the Cavs, at some point you're going to have to take a couple flyers on guys who are big enough to play the three spot who might have athleticism to be a, a defensive standout performer and who might eventually find their way into being a good three-point shooter. Now, Cam has not been either one of those things yet, but he is six foot eight, he is long, and he is athletic. And if all he costs you is Dylan Windler's contract and a second-round pick, I think it's a no-brainer for the Cavs. But that's a low-risk, high-reward. I think the other kind of move that is most obvious and maybe most likely for the Cavs is a significant salary risk and a medium reward. And that involves either Kevin Love and or Karis LeVert. That is Karis LeVert for Tim Hardaway, who's got a couple more years on his contract. That is Kevin Love for Gordon Hayward. I don't know they have to make those kind of moves. I also don't know, specific to the Kevin Love thing, I don't know that a team like uh, Charlotte wouldn't have to motivate you with a whether it's a nice young player, whether it's a draft asset. I don't know that they wouldn't have to help you out to make that deal, which would which would at least put one thing back in the hopper, one uh, one draft asset back in the hopper. But I think those are the kind of moves. If you're hoping for OG and Anobi, I don't think it's happening. If you're hoping for some, I mean, even the Bogdanoviches. I just don't know there's the kind of sellers out there to to even out a market full of buyers. I just don't know the Cavs have the asset to get one of those guys even though if you could get Bojan Bogdanovic from Detroit tomorrow, I think it would be I think it would win the trade deadline cuz I think he's exactly 
what you need. 216-578-0092. Do the Cavs have to make a move at the deadline? I thought Fedor put it perfectly when he was on uh, Baskin, and Phelps early, Baskin and Phelps earlier this week. Bill, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, Nick. You always do a great job. Thank you. I appreciate you, bud. You know, uh, I break this down into just one thing. These guys are professionals. They don't need one more game to work together to figure this out. I mean, these guys have played multiple, multiple games in multiple situations since they've been in the seventh grade. So they know what big guys do and what small guys do. This all comes down to, Nick, one thing. Money. Ego. And so who makes the most money in the NBA, Nick? Uh, assist leaders or scores? Okay. All right. Who makes the most money in the NBA, Nick? Uh, oh, uh, sc- okay. Sc- I got you. I didn't realize that was a question. I thought that you were making a, a point. That, scores, no, no. yes. Yeah, and who makes more money, scores or rebounders? I'd still be scores. And and the other night, the other night when you saw Donovan Mitchell going six for seventeen, and some nights nine for twenty-five. You don't think this professional knows he doesn't have it that night? Of course he knows he has it, doesn't have it that night. Why is he shooting that much? He wants to get his 28 points in. Why does he want to get his 28 points in? He wants to be in the top 10 scores of the NBA. Why that? Because he'll continue making more money. So the thing that you have to be able to do with these two guys that have the ball is, are you willing to give up ego? and also for your team so that you can win more by giving other people the ball when they should have it. And the answer so far that's been disappointing to me, Nick, is the answer is no. And it's occurred over and over again that they're going to launch threes, they're going to try to get their scoring average up, and everybody else, forget it. So real quick, Bill, I don't think it's ego. I think it's trust. I think Donovan Mitchell, as a uh, offensive player, has trust issues. Donovan Mitchell spent his entire time in Utah being the offense. They had some good players there, right? Mike Conley's a really nice basketball player and a a, a, a really great story in the NBA for for how long he's been as good as he's been. Uh, Bogdanovich, a really nice basketball player. Jordan Clarkson, really nice basketball player. None of them should be the second-best offensive player on a playoff team. They shouldn't. And so for his the entirety of his time there, he's had to be the guy. He's had to take over games. Whereas in Cleveland, while I know he likes Darius Garland and he likes Evan Mobley, neither guy has been comfortable taking over with Donovan on the court. It's not about ego. One, in Darius and in Evans, it's they're young, and you might not be confident uh, on what it means to take over when you have Donovan on the on the court. And two, Donovan's learning to trust those young guys when it matters. What would make it all better is if you had an offensive system that they could fall back on. Um, and whether that's a motion-based offense, whether that's just... Uh, maybe getting your bigs involved more, whatever it is, whatever style of offense, you don't have to go run the triangle, whatever style of offense would help take some of that pressure off. They don't have one, so instead it falls on the players to figure it out. That, I think, is the problem. 
I think, and by the way, I don't think it's a problem. I think it's a work in progress. I think Donovan needs to trust his teammates. I don't think it's Donovan's ego gets in the way. 216-578-0092. Short and sweet saying on Twitter, yes, they do. You're not going to find something and not give up something. Garland for Jalen Brown is the perfect move. Uh, I don't think Cleveland's signing up for that one, and I don't think Boston's signing up for it either. Jake, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, just want to say I'm a big fan. Um, Why, thank, thank you for everything you do, Nick. Stop. Thank um, you, though. Every single time after school, coming home, and I'm just putting on the radio listening to you guys, so thank you for that. Anytime. They yeah. pay me to do it in fairness. I'm not doing it just out of the goodness of my own heart. Good point. Good point. Um, I just want to talk about you know the uh, Bogdanovich trade and stuff like that. I feel like just the way that I've seen other teams go about it, I love Kobe Altman, uh, and I love the organization, but in the past with the, the trades that have gone on to break up teams and lose that type of morale that I know this team has, I feel like a trade like that, with how good this team is and how young this team is, it would just I feel like it would just kill what we have going on. A Bogdanovich here. trade? Yes. Why do you say that? I don't know. It's just, like you said before, with the trust, I feel like another thing is becoming really good friends with these guys and really good really good acquaintances with these guys. And I know Bill was talking about it. The caller earlier was talking about like money. I, I don't see that at all on ego. Um, I feel like these guys have a really good head on their shoulders, and they don't want to mess up the opportunity that they have to bring a championship back to Cleveland. Like, I can't. I can't justify going out, getting a dude that's scoring 15, but then losing a defensive mastermind like a Coro in that trade. Yeah, I think I do think that's the biggest question the Cavs have to ask themselves, whether they're willing to give up a Coro. Thank you for the call, buddy, and thank you for the kind words. We appreciate it. Um, the Coro thing's interesting because I think the Cavs were hoping he would establish himself some trade value given that this is a former top five pick in the NBA draft. And I think he has. But I think you can see that, listen, here's, here's I think, the conundrum. One, I think he's a really, really, really nice young player. And I think offensively, it's not going to matter that he's not that good of a shooter or not that good of a scorer. Um, I mean, Rajon Rondo was a great field general, a court general, and a great defender for a really long time, couldn't shoot his way out of a paper bag. So, like... I, that can be worked around. The problem is I don't know it fits with your small guards. If he was six foot eight, maybe I'd have a little bit more hope, right? Or if maybe that the, the three point shooting had come around a little bit earlier, I might have a little bit more hope for that. I think what the Cavs really need, because you were talking about, uh, you know, caller there was talking about, uh, caller Jake was talking about uh, one of the Bogdanoviches. I think. I know I'm guys I'm going to sound insane. I would seriously consider a Kevin Love for Gordon Hayward deal. And it is. It's that big salary risk, medium reward that I talked about in the last segment. And if that dude gets a serious injury and has to miss the rest of the year, yep, it absolutely screws you. But I think that guy on the court cuz there's some questions about him off the court, there's some questions about um, you know, his his injuries. But on the court, I think he's kind of everything you need. He's a plus passer. He's not a great rebounder, but he is a good rebounder. He is a phenomenal three-point shooter. He is a low-usage guy. 
He would instantly be your best shooter. And I think the spacing that he would allow offensively, I think that's really what they need. I think I think spacing and if you can get an adequate defender, I think that'll unlock so much of the Cavs' offensive abilities because then, you know, you could play Gordon Hayward with Dean Wade. You could play Gordon Hayward with with Darius, and you could pay, like you could play with your shooter lineup. You could find a shooting lineup of three guys that can shoot, and that would give you a different look you could throw at teams. Right now, I don't think you have enough shooters. Even Kevin. Kevin's a really good three-point shooter. That's been kind of one of his, his, his claim to fame as a power forward. But he's a streaky three-point shooter. I think they need to find a glue guy, specifically in the starting at, starting five and the, in the final five. A guy that you can play the first eight minutes of the game and the last eight minutes of the game or the last six minutes of the game. I know that there are better guys that, that fit that around the NBA than Gordon Hayward, but he might be the guy you can afford. And I, I think, because when we, when, we, when we say that name, people go, oh, but the injuries. Oh, but the, yep, there's a reason he's available. I, I actually really do believe that the, that the Hornets, who might actually be going through a mini rebuild here, I think they might be tanking now to get uh, Wembayana or to get into the sweepstakes for, uh, for Wembayana, the kid out of France. And by the way, that kid and LaMelo together would be a hell of a lot of fun. Don't necessarily want to see that in the Eastern Conference. But the reason Gordon is available is the flaws. You're not going to find a player that does everything the Cavs need to do. A guy who can bring together your huge front court and your, uh, your not small, your undersized backcourt. You're not going to be able to find the perfect guy to get that on the cheap, unless he comes with wrinkles. And in this case, the wrinkle is not the injuries. The wrinkle is the the additional year, the additional year of a contract, which actually comes with a 15% trade kicker. But I think this gets back to the main thing here. If the Cavs feel like they do need to make a move, which is not what Chris Fedor said on Baskin and Phelps earlier this week, if the Cavs do end up feeling by the time next Thursday rolls around or, or leading into it that they need to make a move, they're going to have to get creative. Because Zach Levine, you're not trading for him. Uh, we had somebody on Twitter earlier say, well, give me Darius Garland for, for Jalen Brown. I don't think either team's making that trade right now. And I also think trying to trade Darius Garland would be ludicrous. There might actually come a time with Evan Mobley where you wonder, can we get a player that is a big wing that maybe fits and maybe we can trade Jared Allen for him? That might be a conversation that happens as soon as this summer. I don't want to break up the Twin Towers, but that might be something you have to do considering what a, uh, what a wing league it is. But for now, before you explore something more drastic, you need to find a glue player. Uh, Matt on Twitter saying, if you can get Gary Trent, you make the trade. I don't know if he's available, but that's a good three-point shooter right there. I actually really like Gary Trent. I, if you could, I, He might be available for multiple second-round picks. Here's the other thing. He is a little undersized for the three. He's actually a perfect size two. But defensively, you do wonder whether, whether he gives you enough size of the three. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.